Are you ready to take action to attain the lifestyle of your dreams? It's a great way to make a lot of money fast, fast, fast. Hey, what's going on, Clever Investors? Welcome back to the Clever Investor Show. I'm your lucky host, the OG Clever Investor, Cody Sperber. We're here in the studio, but I'm in a different part of my set today. I don't know if you're watching this on YouTube, but we're in a different part of my set today because I just got done filming a podcast episode with my buddy, Lamar Brown. He has a podcast called Money On Demand with Lamar Brown. And uh, we filmed this episode, it turned out fantastic. We, he interviewed me, we covered a lot of ground. It was one of my favorite interviews because it was just raw and authentic and uh, we just dropped so many valuable nuggets that I thought to myself after we got done filming, hey, let's flip it. Let's also re-engineer what we just did and release it as a Clever Investor Show episode. Now, I've never done this before where I took a student that was interviewing me and flipped it around and now I'm putting my student in the game. So first off, Lamar's the bomb. If you have an opportunity to follow him on social media, go follow Lamar. I'll put his uh, information down in the description in the, the podcast notes. Uh, or go check out his podcast, the one that we recorded or any other one. This guy came into my office recently and we were working in a workshop all around building his personal brand because he's killing it as a creative real estate investor. We're going to build a phenomenal personal brand around him. He's just an all around great dude with amazing energy. So hopefully you guys enjoy this kind of fun, creative spin on his podcast episode that we did and, uh, and you get a lot of great takeaways from it. I don't really have anything else to say. Let's just jump right into the episode. Enjoy the show. Again, thank you, Cody, for being here, spending time with me. I really appreciate this. Uh, and my viewers are really excited. I've been hyping this thing up for a little while. <laughs> so, uh, man, you know, having this privilege of sitting be before you and getting the knowledge that you're going to share with us, I'm really, really looking forward to this. Um, uh, one of the things that uh, uh, I want to kind of jump into and kind of start off is... Uh, uh, a little bit about yourself. I, I know that you were in the Navy. I was in the Marine Corps. Don't don't hold that against me. <laughs> but, thank you for um, your, thank you for your service. The same, man. You're you're incredible. I, I know you have um, you know two wonderful kids, um, and um, just like me, I have two wonderful kids and and a family that I take care of, and uh, and you know want to live that best example possible. Um. I'm coming into this uh, that transition coming from the military, right? Um, what was that transition like coming from the military when you have everything that's so regimented, everything done for you? You don't even have to think about everything. You know, you just do what you're told to say. Hey, I want to get into this this ocean of real estate. What 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 was that transition like for you, and what took you from that point to Let's dive into this ocean of, uh, of what we know about real estate. Yeah, so first off, thanks for having me on. I'm very, very, very proud of you. Been working with you and watching you up to this point. It's been wonderful to, to see you grow so quickly and be such a fast implementer. And, and I think anybody who's been in the military will get this. When you get out of the military and they punch that hole in your card and you walk out the gates for the last time, man, it is... I, I, I've never been to prison, but I'm guessing it's similar where you just kind of like all that structure and all that regiment kind of goes away. But it, but the lessons you've learned and the systems you've gotten used to and the brotherhood that you've gotten used, that never leaves you. And so 
I actually floated for a while because it is confusing. It's weird. I didn't really know what I was going to do. And um, thank God, because of the military, I was able to go to college and have the military pay for my college. So it wasn't until I was like kind of floundering through college trying to figure out like what my life's path was that I accidentally fell into real estate investing and not just normal real estate investing, creative, no money down real estate investing. And, you know, I only had about $7,000 saved when I got out of the military and I was blowing through that real fast. And so by the time I got turned on to real estate and just a friend of mine flipped a house and made a bunch of money and bought a cool car and I was a young kid and I was like, hey, I want a cool car too. Uh, how'd you get it? Yeah, how'd you get the car? And he told me I flipped a house with little to no money out of my pocket. And I said, you're full of crap. That's not possible. The same thing almost everybody would say that has never been exposed to this world of no money down real estate. Come to find out there's lots of people out there flipping houses and doing creative stuff. And so through about 14 months of self-education and really putting myself out there, man, I mean, you put yourself in a credit card debt, you put yourself in a ton of uncomfortable positions, like flying all over the place, going to events, paying for coaching and mentoring and boot camps and all these things. And as you're going through that journey, I re just kept going back to like, man, I've done so many tough things in the military. If I could do, if I could be alone with a giant green sea bag on my back, getting shipped off, helicoptered off a ship over into Jabali, then transferred to uh, Iraq, and then out of Iraq back to the United States as a as a 18 year old kid alone in the world. In, in dealing with all of the boot camp and all the things, the tough things that you do in the military, I could do real estate. Like real estate's easy compared to that. And so even though there was many hurdles and challenges, I just kept going back to, I could do tough things. And then once I started doing deals and, you know, the year, my first few years in the business, I kind of looked around and I was like, there's not a lot of people that actually have systems and structure in their businesses. Most of these house flippers and wholesalers were kind of winging it, right? They, they would develop a skill like finding deals or, or, whole, or finding cash buyers or flipping the deals, but they didn't really know how to like build and scale a business. And so I just kept going back to my military foundation. And I go, man, systems, everything's got to go back to a process or a system. And so I got to build a system for marketing, a system for deal analysis, a system for finding other partners and vendors and, and uh, uh, cash buyers and a system for raising money. Once I started to build that, I, it was really cool because nobody else had it and I started outperforming everybody because of it. Uh, hard work, confidence, caring about details, systems and processes, being great networking with others and co-working with others, all those things I learned in the military and I carried that with me into my investing business. Yeah, that's incredible. I, you know, I think the same way when it comes to systems, I gotta have it. It's it's it's, it's amazing, man. Like I, I don't know what the military do to us, but man, um, it's it's everything has to be systematic. It, it's just it, it makes things flow a lot easier for me. Um, that being said, uh, coming up with the the, the systems, um, did you have anybody to kind of help you with the system, or that's something that you just uh, trying to make sense of what you was looking at at the time. I mean, I think I helped. it helped that I was a young guy 
getting in because I was always kind of cutting edge with the technology side of things. You got to go back to 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, birth of the iPhone, eventually the birth of social media, the birth of like online CRMs and all this online tools and things. Right. So I was kind of like always looking around the landscape, trying to figure out like, how do I do things better? And, And it all starts with like a challenge. I'd be driving in like my first year, I had this piece of crap Nissan pickup truck. And I used to drive around to appointments to like talk to sellers, right? And I look like I'm 15 years old. I'm driving around a piece of crap car and I'm trying to, I got $3,000 in my bank account and I'm trying to convince these sellers that I can pay cash for their houses, right? And I used to put the property file in like a vanilla envelope and I'd, I'd be working like six to 10 deals at one time. And then I'd be driving, like rushing, because I was always late to get to an appointment. And I'd a red light would hit in front of me and I'd slam on the brakes and all of my files would go off of my seat onto the floorboard of my truck and shuffle everywhere. And I'd be like, oh my God, I got to walk into this appointment. And now all my documents and paperwork and everything's all shuffled up. I got to get an online CRM. I got to start thinking about organization. I got to go back to like foundational basics. So like what's out there? And Unfortunately, there wasn't a lot. So I kind of, as I would fumble my way into deals, I would build it. I think if, if, if there's not a solution out there, create one. I saw a need and I was like, you know what? I'm going to hire somebody to build me a little desktop application that was like my first little online CRM. Nowadays, we have the deal automator, there's Podio, there's, you know, uh, there's a thousand online CRMs that you can get plugged into. But back then I created it. And I, I did that with organization. And I also did that with marketing a lot. Uh, there wasn't mass marketing tools back then. And I used to drive around and go to real estate agent offices and walk in the front door. So imagine like this kid walking into like a Century 21 office. And I would walk in, I'd say hi to the receptionist. And I'd turn around and they used to have like this thing on a a wall of every office that had every agent's business card sitting in like a little shelf. And there'd be maybe 50 agent's business cards. And I'd walk there and I'd pull all the business cards off and I'd make a pile and I'd wave to the lady and walk out the front door. And then I would go back and every time I would get a deal, I would email every agent in town one at a time going, hey, do you have anybody that's interested in this deal? I'll try to get you paid alongside with me. And eventually that got tiring. And it's like, well, how do I mass market to all these people? I need to create a mass email system, a mass texting system, eventually a ringless voicemail system. And so in 2008, I built the first marketing platform of our space. I called it the M3, the mobile marketing machine. And it did, built your website, did mass email texting and ringless voicemail. This was long before anybody else ever had. So I was the first investor in the country to have a mass marketing tool. Well, what happens when you have a cutting edge tool? Somebody had to come in and buy it, right? Or Well, I mean, what would happen to your business if you had a tool that none of your competitors had? Oh, you'll you be leading the game. Exactly. You'll be leading the game, crushing it, yeah. I just started, I started wholesaling properties faster than everybody else. And next thing you know, instead of doing two or three deals a month, I was doing like 13, all because of one tool. And even though it cost me a little bit of money to to invest in the tool, it magnified my results significantly because 
a smart, savvy entrepreneur always wants to go further faster. They always want to use cutting edge technology to get out in front of the curve of their competition. And I'm doing that again with AI. AI is now the hack. And there's always going to be a hack, right? There was big data, then smart data and AI. And this is where we're going. We're going to a place where there's going to be a a moment in the very near future where your lead generation system is going to be so automated, ran by AI, that you will have to do nothing other than the final piece, which is sign the documents. Right, right. Right? Because it'll talk to the seller, it'll negotiate the deal, it'll send the offer and get it back to you. And then all you got to do is go open escrow and fund it and close. That's where we're going. Yeah. You, you know, it's so funny that you said it, Cole, because um, I was actually um, looking on this uh, website. Uh, they actually have AI that can actually do the sales for you. Um, they actually call you and actually do the sales uh, phone call, like cold calling and all those different things. And we're testing it. And we're we're testing it right now. We got it. We got it blazing. We have three different companies we're testing. It's not quite there yet. It's not quite, it's not, it's never going to replace you yet, but it's coming. I mean, give it a year or two and it's going to be so dialed in that you'll, you won't even know you're talking to a machine. That's, that's just so impressive to me because, I, you know, coming from the time of how fast the iPhone can hit the scene to now to see that technology, the, how fast it developed, you know, I'm thinking about the Jetsons and I'm just like, we, we almost there, right? We almost there. You know, I in some weird way, I'm excited for it. And I'm also scared to death. Of it, you <laughs> right. Know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, going back into to um, me um, in that transition, like so many other people coming from the military, I actually went to college as well too. Um, you know, uh, the military took care, good care of me in that in that aspect. One of the first um, people in my family as you graduate college. So um, I'm hitting the landscape brand new um, uh, as a fa- uh, frontier for my family. And I ran into um, healthcare. I, I, I went into nursing. And I tell you, made some really good money in nursing. And a lot of people are in this position that I know uh, have all this money that they collect from their profession, um, know about real estate but don't really know exactly how to jump into it. They feel like they don't have enough hours throughout the day. Um, you know, just 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 trying to make that first step. You know, they don't really want to take the time to learn it, but they want to disperse their money into real estate and just don't know how to, what should be their first take and, and, and jumping into it, you know, because I tell you, you can have a, a million success stories and you have about five, uh, Horrible stories, and that's the stories people lean on, um, uh, unfortunately. But for somebody that's in that seat, they may have the capital. They feel like they don't have the time to to go out there and really dive in and get the knowledge um, and kind of overwhelm. What what would you tell somebody like that, a professional that, you know, um, they're sitting in that position, they have the capital to probably invest in real estate, but just don't know quite how to step their toe in the, and sort of the, the ocean there. Yeah. So what a couple, recommendation? Yeah, a couple thoughts on that. First off, you're going to want to force yourself to, 
constantly be educating yourself on how real estate works, regardless if you feel like you have the time, try to maybe use your net time. Uh, Tony Robbins talked about this. The first time I heard it was from Tony. He called it net time, no extra time. And it's the time you're driving in the car, the time you're taking a poop, or the time you're you know, uh, normally busy doing busy things that you like are kind of mundane things, but you're kind of like messing around watching TV or listening to the radio or doing nothing on social media. Eliminate that and really start using those extra minutes that you still back to educate yourself. There's two types of real estate out there, active and passive. Anybody who's got a full-time job really wants to take their money, their capital, and put it into passive real estate. But even though you're putting it in a passive, meaning that you're not going to be the property manager, you're not going to find the deals, you're not going to negotiate the deals, you're not going to structure it, you still need to know what you're talking about and what you're doing. Otherwise, you're gambling and kind of winging it, and that's not a good strategy. And it would be hard for you to get an internal feeling of whether or not the person pitching you on the turnkey kind of done-for-you real estate uh, offer or opportunity is full of crap or not. If it sounds too good to be true, it might just be. And if you don't have the skills to kind of sniff it out and do your own due diligence, ultimately, you are fully responsible for every dollar you invest. You have to be prepared with your investment money to have it go to zero if you're not willing to take the time to educate. Our goal is calculated risks, not just taking a risk. It's calculated risks. So that's my kind of disclosure is... Stop making excuses and learn. With that being said, I would, there's lots of great ways you can get into the investing world. Uh, If you were young, like fresh out of the military, let's say, and you had a little bit of money saved up, I would look at buying a fourplex in whatever town I want to personally live in. I would use an FHA loan, put three and a half percent down, move into one of the units rent out the other three, get into it with an FHA loan. Um, they, they, whenever you do a, an, I mean, a three and a half percent down, that's a great loan to be in. Oh, and as long as the can rent out the other three units, that cash flow from the other three units can help you qualify to buy the property. Because maybe you're saying to yourself, I never even bought a property. How am I going to afford an $800,000 fourplex or a $600,000 fourplex? It's because we're able to use the rent from the other three units that you're not occupying as income to help you qualify for the loan. It's called FHA Rule of 75. And so there's FHA loans out there that allow you to do stuff like this. And it's kind of like a house hack, right? You live in it for a year or two. You're probably living for free because the three units are bringing enough income to cover your mortgage, maybe even a little Mm -hmm. extra. You're paying down the mortgage. Hopefully over the next year or two, the property value goes up as you fix it up a little bit or increase the rent slowly over time. It'll force the value to go up. Then eventually when you're ready to move out, you either do it all over again into another fourplex or you sell that, 1031 it into a better property and uh, use your profits to move into something bigger and better or you just move out Put a tenant in your one unit, keep it as part of your portfolio and take up your money that you saved up and do it all over again. That would be like my young person hack. If you're older and you just got a bunch of money laying around, you're like, I want to put in real estate, find a great operator, right? We do this all the time at Green Elephant Development. 
we have all these commercial projects. We got all these residential projects. We got some that we're holding. We got some that we're building. And we have these things called a fund. There's different kinds of funds. And if you're an accredited investor, and that means that you make $200,000 a year for two consecutive years in a row with the probability that you'll do it again in another year. Right. Or if you're married together, you make at least $300,000 per year for two years in a row with the expectation to do it again. Or you have a million dollars worth of net worth, uh, net worth, not including your personal real estate. And the funny thing about net worth, there's a lot of things that you can calculate net worth with, right? So um, there's websites out there that could you can pay a very small fee and take a small test and see if you are qualified as accredited investor. If you are, then you can park your money into a lot of these funds that are out there that are for accredited investors that offer, like my fund offers up to 14% returns. I mean, you're not going to get a 14% return very many places. And if you give us your money for, let's say, five years, I'll pay you 14% on your money for all five years and I'll give you a K-1, meaning like you get a you get an equity split in the deal, meaning you get tax benefits and uh, uh, future appreciation and all this other stuff. So there's different types of funds out there for accredited investors. Now, if you're not accredited and you want to get into the business, you either get into the flipping business or the rental business. The flipping business is go find somebody who's a professional house flipper, vet them, find out their track record, Go look at all their deals, look at all the ones that closed, look at their HUD statements, meaning like really vet them, and then say, hey, try to cut a deal. If I give you 75K, can I be an equity partner in your flips? And as long as right now, the world we're operating in today, they're doing kind of like the affordable housing flips, the cheap flips, like houses under 400 grand. That's a great model right now because the economy is kind of scary out there. Yeah, yeah. And we need a lots of affordable housing. And if they're if they're doing kind of lipstick on a pig type remodels and just making affordable housings pro- projects look better, smell better, renovating like some interior stuff. We're not talking about adding big additions and big major re- renovations. Those are great projects to kind of weasel your way in. Use your capital to try to get 30, 40, 50% of the deal. Let them do all the work and your capital will just keep growing because every time uh, you flip one of those, on average, like those types of flips make about 40 grand. If every time you put up 75 grand, four to six months later, you got back your 75 grand plus another 20, that'd be a pretty good model to do four times a year, three times a year. Uh, and get an extra, you know, get more capital, end up with a hundred or 200 grand. Now, if you want to invest in long-term buy and holds, I highly recommend staying out of the single family space, unless you're going to do the section eight thing, which is the only kind of cheap property angle I like because section eight is guaranteed by the government. Right. These are 20, 30, 40, 50, $80,000 houses in Ohio and Pennsylvania and the Midwest where the tenant is being sponsored by the government. This is for low-income people that are getting subsidized by the government. You're going to get your money, right? You're not going to get a bunch of appreciation. You're not going to get a ton of tax benefits, but you'll get it. It's a cash flow play. 
I like those. And if you can find a turnkey Section 8 provider, big fan, okay? They'll manage it. They'll deal with it. You don't have to do repairs. You don't have to do anything. And you just get your checks, mailbox money. Otherwise, stay away from single family and only park your money in either multifamily or commercial. Why? Because those have the best tax benefits. And if you're already making a bunch of earned income from your regular job, you probably hate paying taxes. And if we can find if we can find ways to cut down the taxes by parking your money in the right type of real estate, now you're getting like multiple benefits from your investment. Not only are you getting cash flow, you're getting appreciation, but you're getting a tax write-off that can offset your earned income. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I think that's very important, especially in these days. Um, you know, because all I hear people talking about is CDs and 401ks, and I'm just like, that is a trap, you know. You're not getting no benefits from that. And um, they're just going to give you some earned interest that you're going to have to pay money on any way um, over and over again. Um, um, you know, so that, that that's so true. You know, um, one of the things that you was talking about when you said about the single family homes, um, that's one of the things that, you know, I know Airbnb was a pretty big thing here recently and uh and a lot of people was going with the single family homes and covid hit and uh really the mom a lot of the people uh with the single family homes uh um but i it was an interesting take that you said if you're going to do single family home make sure it's like a section a type thing that's that's covered by the the, the payment that's going to be covered by the government um you know, I've been kind of, you know, kind of, you know, with the crosses of, uh, away from single family homes uh, for my investments, um, unless it was going to be sort of a um, a wholesale deal, uh, something like that. Uh, but as far as um, holding for any length of time, uh, I kind of been staying away for it. But I really liked it out, um, that out, that kind of take of looking at it that way, making sure that the government can cover it. Um, but what, what do you think? Um, <clears throat> far as you know, because a lot of people are looking at Airbnb still or VRB. What's your, what's your thoughts and take on that? It's a business. It's a business. You have to be prepared. If you're going to own an Airbnb, I own 50 of them. Uh, yeah. It's a business. It's a lot of work. And you're managing, you're basically like pretend you run a hotel, right? You got customer right. service, you got repairs, you got, you know, people stealing stuff and uh, clean outs and all kinds of things that come along with it. It's yes, you can get about three times the amount of money as a standard rental, maybe four. Right, right. But you can also lose money. I have some Airbnbs where because it's it it depends on the financing that you use to buy them. Your cost of capital can kill your Airbnb real fast. So we would. Back like a couple years ago, when we started really buying a lot of Airbnbs, we would buy them, renovate them, and we would buy them using like a hard money construction type loan, right? Where we would get in, it's a 10, 12% loan. We would put 10, 15% down. We'd get into this loan. We'd send our crew in. We'd renovate the property. We'd put furniture in there. We'd build the Airbnb listing. And then we would go to our lender and say, hey, we want to refinance out of this hard money loan into something longer term. And at the time, the thing, the longer term loan that we were getting into was what's called a DSCR loan. It's a debt service coverage ratio loan. 
And that kind of loan is really meant for investors. It doesn't really matter what, it, it's like an LLC loan. You can buy, you can have as many of them as you want. So there was no loan limitations on how many of these you can do. It was a little bit more expensive than a traditional purchase, right? So if everybody else was getting like 3% loans, ours was 4% or 4.5%, but it was still, it's still penciled, right? Well, when all of a sudden the DSCR refinance loans are 10%, 11%, 12%, that's no different than the hard money that we were paying. So, right, right. you know, you buy a property and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to refi into something cheaper for the long term. And then you're not able to do it. Now you're stuck in these Airbnbs that no longer cash flow or have minimal cash flow. It's not worth it to own something where one bad month in Airbnb can clear out five good months of an Air, having the Airbnb. Airbnb, yeah. And so I just don't love it for somebody who's not full-time or really wants to scale that business, having a single Airbnb, unless you're like next door to Disneyland, across the street from the ocean, next to a college where it's like, you know, like it's the most popping tourist area or college or whatever. I wouldn't even want to do it. And we're seeing it. <laughs> We're seeing it now. All these accidental Airbnb owners are trying to dump their properties because they're like, screw this. I'm making, so what if I'm making a thousand bucks a month or 2,000 bucks a month in profit? It's not worth the stress. And I'm dealing with reviews and marketing and all this. It's like, nah, cash your equity out, take your equity, go put it into some multifamily, go put it into a commercial investment. Yeah. You know, you'd be better, you'd be better buying scratcher tickets at this point than dealing with that. <laughs> right. I love it. Now, let's say, because, you know, I mean, a lot of new investors in, in, um, in, in this space that's, that's trying to get to the table. And there's so many different avenues in real estate, so many different avenues that you can kind of go into. Um, but for uh, new new investors that really want to learn the, the the landscape of real estate in today's market, um, what would be the first step of uh, you would tell them to do? Um, you know, um, when when they're looking at you know, yeah. here we come, election year, we got cryptocurrency hitting the um you know the scene um and it's kind of like okay where do we go to kind of begin our real estate journey what would you say that first step should be so many of our listeners reach out and they ask us how they can get involved in my actual real estate deals. Our investment firm specializes in finding deeply discounted properties, acquiring them, renovating, stabilizing both single family and multifamily properties all over the United States. That's why we're so excited to share with you clevercapitalfund.com. Now, if you have some investment capital and you want to deploy it and receive double digit returns back by real estate, then visit our website and see which fund is right for you. We have both equity funds and we have debt funds where you just get paid out every month like clockwork. All you got to do is visit www.clevercapitalfund.com today to learn more. Yeah, I mean, doesn't matter if it's a good year, bad year in real estate. First off, we never buy a, at the median or above. We're buying discounted properties below the median as deal hunters. Like we're not paying retail for these things. We're buying them at a discount. So the market could be flat. It could be skyrocketing up. It could be going down. There's always a strategy no matter what. So the first step always is education. You got to learn what works in that particular market cycle. Then as you're learning, you got to squat up, 
with other people doing exactly what you're trying to do. It's very noisy out there. There's going to be the hardest thing when you're new is figuring out who to listen to because everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's going to say, well, I tried that. That didn't work. Do this. And, and you're going to buy a course. It's going to tell you to do this thing. Then you're going to buy a second course because you see an ad on Facebook and that sounds good. Or Cody Sperber said section eight. And now all of a sudden they're off on a section eight thing when they're already down like a wholesaling tangent. And all of a sudden it becomes like, like a giant thing of Swiss cheese. There's all these holes and missing pieces of information or, or it's like you're drinking from a fire hose. It's just so much information that you're just like completely overwhelmed and paralyzed. So you got to squat up and kind of just say, listen, I'll get to all those other great ideas, but right now I just got to lean in and crack the code on this thing first. And that hap- happens with accountability and great mentorship. And that's it. There, there's only two, and it depends on, like me, I'm crazy. I'm full-time real estate. So if you're full-time real estate, that means I want to do two things simultaneously. I want to do whatever investing strategy is the most exciting to me that works the best in this market, that has the most potential. At the same time I, I'm doing that, I want to build my personal brand. Because I know that as I'm building my personal brand, meaning I'm putting out content on social media, I'm being very engaging with my followers, I'm starting to like find my voice and put out content consistently. I'm building that content muscle. A personal brand is different than your company brand. A personal brand is Cody Sperber's journey as an entrepreneur and investor and me sharing that with the world on social. So I'm shifting from being a consumer to a creator. And as I start being a creator, even if I don't have a following, I can have 200 followers, but I'm going to start putting out content, talking about, hey, I'm going out to this house today. I'm analyzing this deal. I'm going to go to this meeting and try to raise money. Hey, here's some, like yesterday, I posted me ordering my cyber truck, right? It's just (laughs) weird things that happen in my day. It's like, hey, I could do this all alone or I can turn a camera on and let the rest of the world kind of watch me order my cyber truck. Yes, yes. What happens over time as you're doing those two things in parallel is in the beginning when you're doing your real estate business, you're trying to find opportunities and you're going out there and you're spending money on marketing and you're going to networking events and you're going to events and doing all these things, just trying to find opportunities. Eventually, your personal brand starts getting so good and so loud that opportunities start coming to you. And that's when it gets really fun. My first few years in the business was like a dogfight. I was out there just scrappy trying to make some magic happen. Eventually, because I started recording myself being scrappy and making magic, I started becoming the underdog and people started rooting for me. And then all of a sudden, real estate agents started taking notice. Oh, what? who's this crazy guy always out in front of the houses and then eventually in front of it, the bank and then eventually with the bank and the Lamborghini and then talking about big deals. And then all of a sudden they started going, oh, I got this deal. I wonder who I can throw it to. Sperber. I'm going to throw it to Sperber. And then boom, yeah. everything starts to get easy. It's so messed up. I want. I wish it wasn't this way. When you need to borrow money or you need opportunities, in the beginning, nobody wants to give them to you. When you get rich, it's like, it's so easy to find opportunities. I'm telling everybody no. Like, I'm like, leave me alone. Like, I'm too busy. It should be the opposite, right? It's like, we should help the, new, the newbie out get the opportunities right. and get their money game on point. But that's not how rich people and money works. It's it's kind of backwards. But it happens when you build your brand. Yeah. 
You, you know, um, speaking of that, um, <laughs> it's so funny. Um, you know, I, by me getting into real estate and start talking about it more and more with people, people seem to keep on coming back to me and asking me about this and asking me about that. And I didn't know this was part of building the brand, uh, you know, uh, but now I become the money guy. Um, <laughs> you know, how do you get out there and make the money? And I was just like, wow, why everybody keep on coming to me, you know, <laughs> about, uh, you know, how to make this money, how to go out there and do it. Um, but, you know, um, I'm finding that it is a, it, it is a gateway, um, for so many different opportunities. Um, I have people right now that say, yeah, I got a 20,000, I got $50,000. I want to know if you can invest it with me. I'll invest it for me. And, I, I, and, and it, it begins to start keeping me at shock. Like, man, I wasn't expecting this to happen. Um, uh, but I'm actually in the process of learning how to, um, um, get accredited. Um, um, so I can be doing this legally. I didn't want to take anybody money without, like you said, number one, get the education, get the education. Okay. And I'm, um, partnering up with, um, people who's been doing this for years in the industry. Um, so I can sit down there with them and see how they do it. And, and also, um, be able to, to help the people that's in my, uh, immediate circle, um, yeah, I'm gonna give you a great contact, Mar Mauricio and Bethany. Okay, they're with the PLGLP group. Um, so it's uh, I'm gonna give you. Uh, I'm trying to think of like what's the best way for me to hook you and your viewers up. Um, uh, God, it's I, I might have to get this afterwards, but like Mar Mauricio yeah, yeah. and Bethany, they're SEC attorneys. Okay. Oh, wow. And here, I'm just going to go to their website real quick. I want to make sure because then maybe that PLP, what was that? What did I say? PO, PL, blah, blah, P, PLG, LP.com. Let me just see what happens. Bethany. Sorry, I really want to give this to you because this is going to help you. Bethany. It's LaFlam. So I'm trying to think. Let me see if I heard she has a link on her link tree. Uh, Bubbles with Premier, Premier Law Group syndication attorney. It's premierlawgroup.net. Premierlawgroup.net. They are fantastic at teaching and creating funds for guys like you and me to help raise capital. So here's the mistake I made. And this is, this, this sucks, dude. Oh God. Cause it, it, this happened to me where everybody started throwing money at me. Cause I started having all this success and like a dumbass, I took it. Right. I was like, Oh, I'm doing all these rehabs. Like, and so like one guy gave me 50 K one guy gave me hundred K another guy gave me 75 K and I took all the money and it wasn't from that many people. It was like from like three or four people, but I took it and I went and bought like, let's say three rent rehabs. So I just, they wired it into my company account and I went and bought three rehabs. And I told all of them, listen, uh, I bought these houses. Here's the houses. You can go buy them anytime. My crews are renovating them. And when we get done, we'll list them and sell them and split the profits up. Well, that worked good for about eight months. We flipped a couple houses. 
and everything was good until one of the people all of a sudden found himself going through a divorce. And I get a call one day saying, Cody, I need all my money back. And I said, I can't give you your money back. It's in the houses. Like, what do you mean? Like, you know the game. Like, it's in the houses. And he's like, I don't have a choice. Like, I'm going through a divorce. I have to get my money back now. And I'm like, it doesn't work that way. Like, the, I didn't spend your money on like Lamborghinis and stuff. Like, it's in a house. <laughs> I get a call from a SEC attorney that says, hey, let me tell you what. You, you, you um, colluded multiple investors' funds into one account. And that's a, and they, these people are not accredited and they're, um, you don't have a fund. So you're illegally raising money and I'm going to sue you. So I need you to send me, I'm about to do an audit on you and force you to give me all of your financials and introduce me to every person that ever gave you money. And I was like, uh, Magically, I came up with the dude's money in like six days because I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be in so much trouble because I didn't know, you know, it's like nobody taught me how to properly raise money. I just thought, no, they're three friends of mine and we all piled money in together and we did these deals. You can't do that. If you put everybody's money into one bucket, that's a fund and there are rules around that. So now, so I, so I learned from that. So the right way to do it is take one investor don't ever touch their money. Have them wire their money to title, buy one single property per one investor's money, and do a deal where either they're part of the LLC or they have a note and deed of trust secured against the real estate. You're not touching their money. It's just all being done through a third party at title. And one investor to one deal. Okay, that's fine. You don't need to fund for that. You can raise private money all day long. The second you're putting it all in your bank account, just spending it however you want on multiple deals is a problem. And uh, I quickly learned that game, never made that mistake again. I now run, run multiple funds and then we take our funds and we go buy apartment buildings or we go buy big commercial assets and everybody gets paid and it's done through the proper channels. But Premier Law Group, they're fantastic and they can help you out. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I know people in my position that's going to watch this video don't appreciate that because, um, yeah, that was, that was my biggest fear. Um, I, I think I ran into something like that early on, um, in my life where I actually, um, I, I used to play in the market. So, um, um, I actually built software for the financial markets and, um, and, um, I still do it. I still get in the markets and make money. Um, but, you know, that's not my full-time gig no more. Uh, I want to get to that area of passive income I'm constantly coming in. So, you know, if I'm not in the market, I don't make money. So uh, it's one of those things. But um, I took money from someone and uh, um, to invest it. And um, I set up a meetup because I was like, oh, I'm, I'm about to go all in. It just so happened one of the guys who joined my meetup was a uh, Series 6 series seven um investor and i was telling what i was doing because i was proud of myself i was doing really good people would love the returns and everything like that and he said you're not licensed and i said no I, you know <laughs> we're making money he's like yeah you can also go to jail <laughs> and i was like okay so that's when i took all the money and dispersed it back to everybody and said you know uh due to these certain circumstances everybody get their money back and i'll let you know when we can invest later on yeah uh, but 
Yeah, yeah. Then I was like, you know what? Let me just leave that alone in that area because it's not as uh, concrete as real estate uh, investing. You know, uh, the markets is is a crazy thing to be playing in, and and you know, it only takes one bad day to really destroy yourself in the market. Uh, so, um, yeah, yeah. I I learned that lesson, and I've been slow walking that step um, ever since I got that information. I mean, the guy loved my um, meetups that I was doing, but uh, when he told me that I can go to jail, not my place to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm out. Here's your money back. Yeah, that's right. Here's your money back. Um, you know, uh, you actually touched on a, a few things that we uh, that I was going to discuss earlier about, you know, looking at uh, technology. Um, and uh, I love um, one of the platforms that you uh, introduced to me, which was the Deal Automator. Um, I love it. I freaking love that thing. Um, I think anybody who's getting into real estate should have that um, as a as a tool. Um, um, what do you, that being a tool that that's a favor of mine, uh, what what do you suggest uh, every real estate investor should have in a toolbox uh, far as when it comes to that type of software? Yeah, I mean, the Deal Automator is an all-in-one platform that runs your business, helps you with your websites, help, it's an online CRM, has bunch of marketing tools in there. It's got your deal analysis tools, your ability to comp. It's got all the data. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's got AI built into it for AI stuff. It's uh, it, That's really what you need to get up off the ground. Besides that, you need contracts. Uh, you know, mm. you, could do, you could do a lot of stuff from your cell phone and your laptop. You don't need a fancy office or a fancy watch. Like, you don't need a cool car or a slick suit. That's what's great about this business. The barrier to entry is very low. If you have good skills, good people skills, good tech skills, any of those types of things, you're going to do great. Even if you don't, I have, I have, I had one lady who was a house cleaner her entire life, had decent people skills. I would say decent, like as generous, like to say, like she was nice lady, zero tech skills, did not even own a computer. When she signed up with me, she went to the local library and signed up. Like that's wow. how, that's how that, I, I'm pretty sure she went and got like a paid by minute cell phone just to like get up off the ground. Besides that, she was using like a house phone that was like, had a cord to the wall, like, oh, like old wow. school. And, uh, she did fantastic. If I, you would ask me on day one, is she going to do it? I'd be like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't look like it. This lady just kept stuff simple did exactly what I told her to do. Didn't like add any sizzle to it or any, you know, fancy ideas of her own. She was like, oh, okay, pull this list, call these people, go to their house, work out a deal, fill out this paperwork, you know, flip it like this, uh, find a cash buyer this way. She just followed the recipe. And she told, I said on day one, I said, what's, what's your goal? Like, what do you want to do? And she goes, I want to move, like, I want to get out of house cleaning and I want to move to somewhere where there's a beach, like Belize or something like that. And I was like, that's an amazing goal. I hope someday we get to celebrate that moment where you're leaving Colorado and moving to the beach. Yes, yes. One year later, oh. she sends me a picture of her sitting on the beach saying, I one just year? bought One year later, this lady murdered it. She wow. did it in Colorado, a very tough market. 
and did a ton of deals. She did like something like, you know, 20 deals or 25 deals in a single year and made a, a more 10 times the amount of money she ever made as a house cleaner. And then, but she also kept a few of them and she had some cash flow coming in and her lifestyle wasn't that grand. She needed like whatever, eight to 10 grand a month or whatever her number was to kind of live this beach lifestyle where she rented a little spot on the beach and didn't have to clean houses. And she did that in one year through real estate investing. And then remotely, because she had the right technology, she kind of kept messing around back in Colorado, flipping houses remotely and would make, you know, do a couple of deals every single year to fund the rest of her lifestyle. So I, I, I think with the right tech, anybody can be successful in this business in the right mindset. And uh, you don't need a lot. You know, don't don't get caught up like, oh, I got to have all this expensive. No, you don't. Just get some foundational things and and go put in the work. Yeah. Yeah, I tell you, that, that, that's what I said. When I seen the deal automator and everything that it, it offered, I pretty much got rid of everything else. I, I was like, this is this is redundant. You know, I only have to go through one system, learn one system. Um and, and just work with it that way. Um, you know, even like you said, with the copying system uh, and the deal automator, uh, that was a big deal for me. Um, uh, so I can come with a, kind of a really good um, kind of estimate of um, what I really want to go and offer the people that I talk to. I loved it. Um, you know, I didn't have to go far. <laughs> you know, I love it. Um so I, I really got one last question for you. Um, um, you know, I think that's going to be really, really important uh, for the viewers. Um, uh, looking into, uh, let's say, um, the near future here, um, I know a lot of people are really excited about the commercial and uh, and um, well, you can say multifamily, yeah, multifamily commercial space, right? A lot of people are looking at this. Um, I'm hearing a lot of buzz in the industry uh, about that. Um, what would you say might be some of your ideal areas to jump in and invest in? Because um, I know here in California, where I'm at, um, it's not it's not a pretty place to put money in commercial properties. But what's some of the areas you think people should probably be looking into investing in multifamily and commercial spaces? Yeah. Yes, Sunbelt states. I and I really like like Tennessee. I like Atlanta. I like Florida. I like Arizona, Texas. Like a lot of those kind of Sunbelt states. The reason California is tough isn't you'll make a lot of money in California. But you'll have so many headaches along the way that it's it it's a very aggressive tenants' rights state. Mm -hmm. It also changes very quickly. Um, you can make a lot of money, but you can also lose a lot of money. So I have a friend that's that's tied up in litigation right now, uh, where these activist groups get involved and they just flood you with lawsuits because they don't like what you're doing with the property or your usage or whatever that you have. I have another friend that owns uh, a building and someone's squatting in it and he can't get them out. Mm -hmm. And they're just yeah. free rent for like two years now. And there's and since COVID wow. and there's nothing he can do other than fight the legal system. Me, I want to go in there and drag the people out, <laughs> out the damn window. But it's like, right. you don't see that in every state, only in crazy states like, you know, California. So yeah, yeah. I would focus on some of those more Sunbelt states, more landlord-friendly states. 
the reason everybody's talking about commercial and multifamily is a lot of people over the last few years got into the, com- the multifamily space and we got like development loans or short-term financing with really great rates for like, say, three years or four years or five years that then chain, the rates change at a certain point or we're forced to refinance at a certain point. Well, we got in down here and now the rates are way up here. So let's say we wanted to buy, I did, I did this out of all, I, I bought three major multifamily projects. And on one of them, we went in a bunch of capital. We put money in with another group. So we did, we did two with one group and one with a different group. Two of them worked out fantastic. We got in great financing, great rates. I bought a like a uh, like a 330 unit in Georgia, and then another uh, 382 unit here in Arizona. Then I bought an 81 unit across from Arizona State University in Tempe, Arizona, with the second group, and we were speculating on the deal. We were going to buy it, and out of the out of the 81 units, we were going to renovate like 20, 25 of them. Then we were going to raise rents, put it back on the market, and sell it. So I, I'm, these numbers are a little off, but let's say we bought it for 18 million dollars, and we put like whatever eight million down or whatever. We raised the eight million, put that money down, bought the units, went through, started renovating them, and then the whole market changed, the world changed, and interest rates shot through the roof. So now we cannot refinance. We couldn't sell it because nobody wanted to buy it because when they bought it, they were going to get in these really high rates. So the cash flow on a smaller deal like 81 units didn't pencil. It was a very bad deal financially for any new buyer. Nobody wanted to come in and take over our financing because the financing was adjusting in a year to these really high rates. Uh, so we either had to sell it for a loss or do what's called a capital call. And when you have, let's call, let's say there's 20 investors that all piled in to put up the $8 million to buy the deal. Yeah. Go around to 20 people and say, hey, everybody's got to put in double their money that they originally did. We got to do this capital call and buy our way into a longer term loan everybody's pissed, right? Everybody's like, this sucks. Like, this is awful. Like we went from expecting to make like a quick five to $7 million on a flip to all of a sudden losing money and having to put money in just to save the deal so we don't lose all our money and then wait it out. To wait three years, five years. We don't know how long this is going to take to write the ship. So of course, we didn't want to lose money. So everybody piled in and we were able to structure a deal where we earn interest on the extra money that we put in. It's like a secondary loan and we're able to earn interest on our loan. But it was a bad deal. Not everybody can convince all their investors to put up more money. So what's happening is a treme- billions and billions of dollars worth of multifamily are defaulting. And the developers are just handing it back to the bank saying, we're out. We can't get our investors to put up the extra money and we can't refinance. We're broke. We're out. And so the properties are going back to the banks. And then anybody in the good old boy or good old girl network that can qualify to buy those that has strong amounts of capital are going to come in and scoop up at great prices. So that's what's happening. That's what the buzz is about. It's an exciting time if you have lots of money. 
Right. It's a bad time if you got like me, put 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 your money into a deal you thought you were going to flip in three years or two years, and now you're screwed. Gotcha, gotcha. Man, yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense, you know, because uh, I mean, the interest rates jump quickly. It, it wasn't something that you know that just gradually happened. It was like you know we went from um, two to three percent to like seven percent within a year or so. Um, that, that insane, insane. Um, <clears throat> man, well, I mean, that's all really the questions I have for you. Uh, you know, I think my viewers got a lot of content out there. I appreciate it. Again, I mean, you never. Um, uh, cease to amaze me uh, with, with some of the things you do. And what a lot of people don't know too, uh, you know, Cody, you you don't just give information about real estate, but you so transparent in some of the downturns in life because everybody hear all the good stuff. Mm. They never really hear the bad stuff. And uh, you're probably the most transparent person in this space that I ever heard. The most, I mean, uh, some of the things that you share um, with us, uh, people that know you, uh, um, you know, really give me the confidence that, man, yeah, you could go through some rough times, but there's 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 a rainbow at the end. I'll probably go at the end of that rainbow. You know, what I mean, you you if you just fight it through, you fight it through. There there's a way out. Yes, um, yes, and this industry needs leaders. This industry yeah. needs real, transparent leaders that show the good, show the bad, but show that even everybody that is in this business can win the game no matter what your background is, what resources you started off with, or how many times you get your butt kicked. Winners have a bounce back spirit. And the reason I'm so transparent is because I'm not playing this game because of money. I'm playing this game because I want freedom. I want to create real wealth. I'm the, I, like you, I'm the first college graduate in my family ever. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's kind of cool. Like I'm the one. I, Ed Milet has this book called The Power of the One, right? Power of One. Yes, yes. Go read that book. If you've never read Ed Milet's book, The Power of One, yes. Ed's a friend of mine. I'm very lucky to have some cool friends. And every time, and I've heard Ed speak about two or three dozen times. Like we are in the speaking circuit together and I, I always sit, as the biggest cheerleader on the sidelines, listening to it, even if I heard it a bunch of times, because I love that story, that concept of like, you're the one, it's your obligation to step up and be the one, the one that changes the course of history for your entire yes. lineage, your entire family. And if you have that opportunity and you waste it, what a shame. And look, I realized very early on, the more successful you are, the bigger disconnect it is from everybody else, right? It's easy to hate on the super wealthy person. In the beginning of everybody's journey, everybody kind of rallies around you and supports you because they, they love, America loves to root for the underdog. But when you become real successful, they also love to hate the rich guy. You know, they don't right. like you when you're too, when you're country club, Cody. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so I have to like master the art of self-deprecation where you kind of make fun of yourself along the way and don't take it so seriously and just kind of like, hey, I'm lucky, man. I'm here because a lot of great people help me. Don't take it so seriously. And there's somebody that's going to be way better than me that's out there. It's okay. Just kind of be playful with it and have fun. I remember being in the military. Dude, you'll get, you'll get a kick out of this. I'm in the military. <laughs> this humbled me big time. 
first morning of boot camp, I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm a young kid. I don't really know what I'm doing. They just shaved my head. I had no sleep the night before. I'm standing there in front of my rack at attention. They got us up by banging stuff and they said, get your ass up and we're taking you to the showers. And I had a, they said, everybody get drop, you know, put a towel around your waist and we're going to go through these showers. And it's like a giant thing of showers where there's like 13 shower heads. It's like a big open auditorium. And you're going to walk in a line and someone's going to squirt soap in your hand. You're going to go through each shower head and warp speed. And you're going to soap off and you're going to get the hell out. And we're getting out of here to the chow hall. So we're doing that. And of course, I'm standing next to this little tiny black kid from Louisiana. His name was Gatson. And I got my towel on and Gatson's got his towel on and we get up to the front of the line and I'm panicking because I do not want to take my towel off and be in the shower line with all these other men. Gatson, Gatson, this motherfucker drops his drawers and has a hammer cock this big. I'm not kidding. I'm telling you, it's the biggest thing I've ever seen in my life. I literally yelled out, let out an audible yelp. I was like, oh, I had never seen anything like it in my life. I dropped my drawers and I'm looking at him and he's looking at me and he just goes and I go. It's like, welcome to the real world, bro. Like, welcome to the real world. You never know who you're standing next to. You could have a tripod dude who uh, who's this big. He was a little four foot eight guy. And it was just it was just a great reminder in your life. Like, you, you know, we all come in different shapes and sizes. It doesn't matter. Have fun with it. Be playful in life. And we ended up becoming great friends. And uh, it, he, he, his energy pulled me through boot camp. Now here I am. I'm so disconnected from where I started. I have to emotionally always go back to that moment where I'm dropping my towel. <laughs> just going, eh, this is it. This is who I am. Let's go. And right. uh, being fully exposed. And, and that's what life's all about. And, and I love hanging around. A lot of my friends at this point are like that. They're just raw and authentic and real, but they set a great standard for the rest of us and force me to level up every single day. And if I could do that for somebody listening or watching, then cool, let's go. That means you're my people and let's lock arms and there's plenty of room at the top of the mountain for those who earn it. So let's do it together. And by the way, I'm going to take this podcast that you just recorded. I'm going to spin it. it. Do I have your permission to also put it out as a clever investor show episode. Oh, absolutely, man! That, that's that's humbling. I appreciate. All right, what, what what's the yeah. name of your podcast? It's 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 called Money on Demand with Lamar Brown. Money on Demand with Lamar Brown. All of my listeners, if you made it this far, and I put this out as one of my podcasts too, go follow Lamar. He's a phenomenal human being. He's a he he's got great fun energy. I have a feeling you're going to be an absolute monster someday, and I'm going to be learning a ton from you. Go support this man. He's been a student of mine. He shows up. He comes to all the events. He he cuts the damn check. He shows up at the office. He plays full out. We're working really hard on building his brand. We're working at increasing his skills. He's going to be a, a real player in this industry. Go support him. If you're part one of my followers, go listen to, to his stuff as well. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Cody. Um, you know, I, and to speak about the, 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 the team there, clever investors, it's second to none, second to none. Um, you know, you, you're great and you got great people around you. I, and I appreciate them. Um, you know, you're, 
uh, you and your team is the greatest people that I, I ever worked with before, you know, uh, it, and I like it because it, it kind of remind me back, like you said, that brotherhood uh, and, and that family that you created in the military. So it, it's almost like that same energy, that full circle. It's not like um, I'm just a student. I feel like I'm family dealing with uh, uh, you and your team. And, and, it's, and it's amazing. Um, you know, I, I can, uh, you know, I, I tell you, I, I kick myself. I had to pinch myself every once in a while when uh, <laughs> when I come around you guys. You know, it's it's just like so so open, man. I appreciate it, but um, uh, I appreciate your time. I really do. Thank you so much for all that you do. Um, you know, not just for me, but for uh, this entire community uh, and the people that you're doing out there. If people don't know, um, last time I think I was in Arizona, which she was doing this uh, um, toy drive. Um, filling trucks. Uh, I'm not talking about F-150s. We're talking about semis um, full of toys. And these are not no rinky-dink toys, you know. I, I feel like turning to a kid again. <laughs> got to get that back. bicycle I always wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you got to get back. We make all this money for what? For what? Why, why do we do this? We, we got we to gotta give back and help other people and help the animals and help the kids and go upstream. And, you know, you never know. To me, $15,000, $20,000 worth of toys, it's fun. It feels good and all that stuff. Can you imagine being a little kid waking up and not having a toy on Christmas? I can't. And, and I'm going to make sure that if I have any ability to make a small impact on a kid on, at Christmas, I'm going to do it. And so th thank you for bringing that up because that was my third toy drive of the year. I just oh. keep, yeah, we just keep, we just keep serving. Let's go. Yeah, appreciate it. All right, guys, there you have it. The podcast episode with my friend Lamar. And uh, look, this was a cool, this was a cool show. I love doing stuff like this where we're just raw and authentic and we're just talking shop. Good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. Uh, sometimes when I'm interviewing people, you know, it's, I don't get the opportunity to say a lot of things because I'm making the show more about them. It was kind of fun to have one of my students see how they're thinking about the market and what questions they want to ask me and all that good stuff. And it was kind of fun to answer them and just kind of go back and forth with Lamar. Like I said at the beginning of this show, go follow Lamar. Uh, his podcast is Money on Demand with Lamar Brown. Go check him out. And uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for doing this with me, dude. It, this was cool. Yeah, thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. And hopefully this you get some growing. hopefully you get some followers and subscribers out of this. What's your uh, best social media? Oh, my best social media is uh, Mr. Lamar Brown, um, and you can find that on um, Instagram. Okay, Mr. Lamar Brown on Instagram. Go follow him. Uh, let him know you were listening to him on the Clever Investor Show, and do him, do me a favor and go uh, do a great review on his podcast, the one that we did together. Blow up that podcast, spam it, blow it up. Uh, show him a little bit of love in the reviews that the Clever Investor Show is listening, and we got his back. All right. I don't have anything else. We're out of here for this episode. Till next time, take care. Come your hair. Peace. Hey, Cody Sperber, the original Clever Investor, host of the Clever Investor Show podcast. And I'm shooting this ad right now to let you know that this podcast exists. It's finally out and we have some amazing guests. So please, I'm begging you. Can you just come and give our podcast a listen? I've been doing real estate for a really long time. I've accessed some of the coolest people in the world. We were having all these amazing conversations and I'm like, what are we doing? Let's record this and actually put it out on a podcast. But the problem is 
I have to let people know about it. That's where this ad comes in and this is where you come in. You're gonna be able to learn from successful entrepreneurs, get in-depth interviews from amazing leading experts. You're gonna learn real estate investing strategies and tactical training strategies that work in today's market. We're going over market analysis and different market predictions. You're gonna be able to engage in an awesome community. And we go into some pretty deep dives on the mindset of what it takes to win the game of money and in life, plus lots of bonus resources and exclusive content. So what you're gonna to wanna to do right now is click the link that you see on your screen and give the show a subscribe today. We have amazing guests like Ken McElroy and Robert Kiyosaki and Wes Watson and Pace Morby and Jamil Damji and Vina Jetty and a whole host of amazing men and women entrepreneurs that you're gonna to love to learn from and get to know. So what you wanna do right now is click that link and give the show a subscribe today.